Well, hello, everyone. My name's Brian, and today is Thursday, February 23rd, 2023, and this is another episode of Lots to Talk About. And today, my guest, uh, she spent 20 years climbing the corporate ladder uh, until a long, uh, long forgotten childhood trauma kind of derailed what she had going on. Um, But it might not have been the worst thing. And here to tell us her story about what happened, how she got there, what happened when it all fell apart, and what she's built now is Marie La Seychere. Hi, how are you doing? (laughs) Hi, Marie, how are you? Very well, very well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Could you introduce yourself to my audience? Maybe give them a little peek of who you are and and what you got going on, and then we'll kind of dive into your story and uh, and how everything unfolded. Sounds good. So I am originally from France, as you may guess from the accent. I've been around the world quite a bit. I left France 25 years ago already. Um, my background is in science and business, um, PhD, MBA. I've been developing products on, all my life for big corporate and then moved to startups. Um, all over the world was in Asia, in Africa, the Middle East. So very fortunate to, to travel. And then, um, so this is the, the veneer, right? What you see on LinkedIn, climbing the corporate ladder. It looks very good and, you know, very fun. And then 10 years ago, some long forgotten childhood trauma resurfaced and literally during my career. And I had to spend quite a few years dealing with my mental health. And it was a, a real roller coaster. And it got me very interested in this. And, and so I launched Akesa to develop solutions, affordable solutions to help people deal with mental health. Was there a trigger um, or did it just all culminate? Was it like a combination or busyness? Like did what, how did this, how did this come back about um, and kind of start affecting your life? Uh, if it had been long forgotten, is that, uh, is that, um, was there a trigger for it? There were, there were little triggers and there was a very big trigger. So um so there was a lot of trauma and I buried everything and some of it I even actually forgot. And then in my early 30s, I eventually started a therapy and I was like, you know, I don't have any issue whatsoever. I don't have abandonment issues. I don't have trust issues. I'm just very curious about understanding my childhood. But then I started opening Pandora's box and I realized I hadn't processed anything at all. And so I started getting very freaked out. I would go to the session, talk about it, but then, you know, close the door, compartmentalize. And then about a year and a half afterwards, um, there was an accident in the family. Someone very close to me was in a very tragic accident, fortunately recovered, but the ER for weeks and the hospital for a month. And then, so that really fractured my, my sanity, I would say. And we reverted back to the, you know, I had started therapy. So I started getting more comfortable about talking and everything. And then, but I stopped therapy because I spent all my time in France and, and I buried everything. And I reverted back to, you don't cry, you toughen up, you know, you deal with that's happening. And so I did that for a year. <laughs> I was very good at it. And then after a year, it all came back crashing. I was eventually the person started feeling better. And so I started launching a business. I pitched it. And I think when the stress fell down, I sat on the plane. I was flying back from London to Boston and I started crying. And I'm not someone who cries in public. And I cried for six hours on the plane. Oh, wow. wow. And so it crashed. It literally 
crashed. <laughs> right. Um, that's kind of, uh, um, I know you've been successful and very in, in business and climbing that ladder. It almost feels like that's the, um, that's the shield you are, are kind of instructed to put on. Like you have to be that strong, uh, cutthroat person to get where you want to be, like take no prisoners. Um, and yeah, that combined with something that was in the background already just kind of shoves it down. And uh, yeah, so going to therapy was kind of a double edged sword. It kind of opened up some some thinking and exploring. But uh, in the end, it it, um, it sounds like it's it turned out well. Um, it, it spurred you to um, explore deeper into um, trauma, uh, from what I understand, and and the effects that it has physically on us. Um, as well as emotionally. So could you kind of explain what happens, what kind of um, brain trauma, like what trauma does to us, um, how it affects us? So um, I realized I suffered from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I didn't even know about it because for a very long time I was in denial and then um, not, you know, still very few people talk about PTSD. So what happens with trauma is so what happens with a healthy brain right when you suffer something that is distressful you know distressing traumatic if it's not too big during the night the brain will process it and so here is what happened let's take the image of a, a veteran for example who gets deployed in in iraq if it's just a small traumatic situation then the veteran will process it during the night. You let go of the pain and then you integrate the learning. If the brain doesn't process it, a couple of things happen. First, the brain is not able to process it, so it will pack it somewhere far away so that you don't think about it. And then there is no time stamp as well. So when something happens in the past, we remember it. We say, oh, yeah, it happened when I was five years old. But then in that case, the memory gets parked with no time stamp because that's why we have flashbacks as well. Sometimes just snippet comes, but we don't understand when was it, where was it, what happened exactly. The brain just stores very little snippets of it. And so the veterans, fast forward 10 years later, 4th of July, beautiful weekend, safe, nice. And then what happens 10 years earlier, for example, a bomb exploded, a child cried because, you know, a family was there as well. And then 4th of July, a child cries. Suddenly the brain is like, oh, it's the same memory. I'm back in Iraq. My life is at risk. And literally your prefrontal cortex, the rational mind doesn't control you anymore. You're back into your emotion. You're back in the scene. And sometimes you would go under a bed to save your life because you get everything gets completely messed up. And so... For me, when the flashback came, I was living on Maui at the time, completely safe. I mean, it's a beautiful little island. I was freaked out. At some point, I couldn't even get out of the house for a couple of hours. And I'm like, Marie, I mean, are you stupid or what? But it's like the, the fears completely hijacked your brain, actually. And so we tell people, be rational. Don't be afraid. It doesn't work because they know they are not rational. Right, right. They don't even understand what's happening because that that irrational part is taken over um i've never thought about it like that uh, now that you explain it, it it makes perfect sense um where if it's just too much 
stimuli that for the brain to process it or in the case of the veteran you know maybe they they don't sleep for days um so the brain doesn't have a chance to to shut down and process and categorize things yeah wow <laughs> okay <laughs> i price of admission right there <laughs> for sure for sure um so so once once we realize this is there a path to fixing it is there i'm um, is I assume therapy and I mean, there's all sorts of, of, of ways to do it, but is there a, a physical, like an actual uh, physical process? Uh, you were explaining a physical process, I guess is what it'd be categorized as. Is there a physical process for, for re um, for letting, giving the brain an opportunity to process this and categorize it, or is it just too late? It's not too late. And this is what I really want to share is the brain is what we call plastic, you know, it will adjust, it will change, and it will heal. And so with the right therapies, people can heal from it. Um, and there are a few that are very good at it. So one is called exposure therapy. It's a little bit brutal, personally, I think, where you get immersed into the situation again. So especially with VR, you put veterans into combat zone, people who are afraid of heights, have a phobia, you put them in situation where they are, you know, they have to look at the void. It works, but I believe it's very painful. It's like, okay, you're afraid of it's like scaring it out of them. <laughs> I'm gonna throw you in the swimming pool until you're okay with it. I'm like, guys, it works, but it's brutal. I mean <laughs> and uh <laughs> And so there is another one that worked very well for me that is called EMDR, I, movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And it's a therapy that was discovered in 1987 by a psychologist in San Francisco. And she realized that when people move, uh, follow the fingers of their therapist and think about the traumatic experience, the healing mechanism um, start working. And what happens, because for 25 years, people couldn't understand exactly how it worked. But a few years ago, Professor Huberman at Stanford has shown that when you move your eyes left and right, it decreases the activation of what we call the amygdala, which is an organ in the center of the brain that is responsible for the fear reaction. And so people can follow the, the fingers or a moving light on the screen think about the traumatic experience, not be so panicked anymore about it, and eventually stop process it. And it's extremely efficient, like for what we call a simple trauma, so one event, three sessions of 60 to 90 minutes is sufficient to you know, get rid of the, the PTSD symptoms. So it's extremely efficient. Unfortunately, it's very expensive. It can be very expensive, and there are still not a lot of therapists trained in EMDR, but it works very well. And then... The third one that is very promising right now is psychedelics. Um, not all psychedelics, but MDMA. Um, the studies show that it's also a, a few sessions with the right therapist of MDMA can be equivalent to like month of therapy sessions. Yeah. Yeah, I have a I have a friend that's uh, big into the euthanogens um, and PTSD treatment with uh, mushrooms. So. Yeah. He's uh, he's down that road, but the MDMA I've I've heard too. Um, I'm curious about the eye movement. Is this the same? Is this the same kind of philosophy as a hypnosis? 
um, where that just deactivates the the fear response so you feel more comfortable to be in that hypnotic state is that almost the same um the the eye movement the the swinging uh, watch or uh, or whatever they use so I'm not trained in hypnosis, but from what I have experienced, I think the mechanism is a little bit different. So in EMDR, it's really biological. It, it acts on the, the, the fear center of the brain. I mean, okay. um, and they've showed it in mice. And so I don't think they hypnotized mice, um, <laughs> mice but um, hypnosis is a little bit different because it relaxes you and then you are able to access your belief system in the subconscious so it's a slightly different mechanism yeah okay it's just when you were when you were doing the finger back and forth all i could think of was something back and forth i was like oh is this the same thing but no it makes perfect sense makes perfect sense so you started exploring these other uh, these alternative therapies um and decided that you wanted to take hold of it and developed your own company. Tell me about this. Tell me about your company and and what, uh, I mean, obviously we know how it came about, um, but you rolled it out, you developed it. What do you do and what is it called? <laughs> so it's called Akesa and it, the name comes from Akeso, who is one of the Greek goddesses of healing, of self-healing actually. And so the app integrates. So EMDR was very helpful for me. The other thing was binaural beats. So binaural, high quality binaural beats are sounds at a slightly different frequency on the left and right ear. And the, you can't hear the difference, but the brain calculates this very small difference. The same way a dog can hear a lot of sounds that we can't hear. But the brain calculates that difference automatically and then gets what we call entrained onto the, this brain wave. So it's a very efficient way to relax the brain. And so Akesa incorporates this eye movement. So people are, are guided to follow a moving light on the screen of their phone and listen to binaural beats as well, different binaural beats at different frequencies during, during the app and the session. And then think about the experience they would like to process and just think about it, follow this moving light, listen to the music, reflect, observe, and follow the moving light. And it's the sessions are relatively short at about 13 minutes mm -hmm. uh, because you know people don't have the attention span to spend an hour on an app. And so it helps people start processing difficult experiences on their own. And we position it. I don't think an app will ever replace a therapist you know human being with a brain and everything but it's a first step or a supplement in between therapy sessions for people so it's a tool it's a tool for for i mean if it's if it's minor trauma i'm i'm supposing you could probably really self-medicate or self-treat uh it's not medic medicate but self-treat um self-care with the app if it's more intense like you said it might be a, a stop gap in between sessions or in a in a moment of need um uh you, you mentioned um the binaural beats um i've i've messed around with that with um like when i have to do web work and stuff like that the uh, isochronic tones and binaural beats um the concentration uh sounds from like youtube uh and I, I, I can't say that it hasn't worked. Um, I, I don't know if it's just the, 
I don't know if it's subliminal or if it's just that now I'm in focus, like I'm intending to do this. So that's why it works better. But uh, I've definitely seen more focus and productivity while listening to that when I'm having to concentrate on like a mundane task that I don't really want to do. <laughs> so the the it's the same thing as EMDR. At first, the scientists were like, this is woohoo, you know. But then now they put EGs, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, all the electrodes on the skull of people and they see the brainwave shift. So it is working, actually. There is, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, do you, let me see, let me see here. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Um, so if somebody wanted, somebody's feeling that they've had some trauma, um, how how would they know if the the first step would to be seek out your app or is there a first step to go see a therapist or is this something that could be therapeutic even if there hasn't been trauma is this can this be a benefit to someone to uh possibly reflect on stuff they're just contemplating that not that necessarily isn't trauma exactly so it's multiple questions um uh, so right now we say the app is there to help um with anxiety Mm -hmm. and distress and so but we've noticed people who use it as well for self-awareness and so what we say is if it's a single trauma like a car accident you know a flooding because of all the storms right now a simple mm -hmm. event the app would be there for you if you're coming with like suddenly years of childhood abuse are resurfacing you need to talk to your therapist because this is a lot of different events and maybe this will happen in between sessions. Now, there are two main components in the app. The first session is what we call the sanctuary, and it helps you build a place of safety, calm. The first session is three minutes, and then after you can return to it and increase the time or decrease the time. So this is where the anxiety relief is. And if people are feeling very stressed up, you know, have panic attacks, this will help you calm down. The other session are the processing session where you start looking at your thoughts and your belief system, and this helps you rewire your brain. And so there are two different use cases for, for the app. And we've seen people who don't have any trauma, but use it to calm down before they meditate. Or sometimes there's just something that is triggering them all the time. And they are like, why am I annoyed with this? Right. Use it right. to gain self-awareness because when you go through the session and you observe, you get a lot of insight, actually. And so there is a diary at the end to write all this insight. So we see different different use cases for the app. Yeah, as you're explaining it, it really seems like that, that first part would be a good um, lead into a, to a meditation session, just a, just a blank mind meditation session. And then almost after the fact, um, whatever whatever kind of uh, slips your brain while you're meditating almost to explore it deeper using the second half. So in conduct on both on like bookend a meditation session is almost, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. That's interesting for sure. Um, it, do people find that, um, that the, the first part is a good anxiety stopper? Um, is it is it something that somebody suffers from, um, like you said, panic attacks or just mild anxiety throughout the day uh, instead of uh, running and having a smoke or something like that? Is this a better is this a tool to help deal with those those feelings, that anxious anxiousness or panic? 
Yes, and we've seen, so last year I was actually um, coaching a CEO, a young CEO in Europe who was very stressed up fundraising and and she would use it and she was very happy to surprise because after a few minutes she was really, you know, a lot calmer, grounded and, and able to deal with the situation. So yes, and what we like is that the combination of the binaural beats and the light makes it very efficient. And so I was all about efficiency. What can we do that is, you know, in a few minutes and can really ground people? Yeah. Do you, is there, is it, so it, it, just the app, do you have, um, is there supporting, is there web website or a, a community out there around it that, that um, kind of lays out more information and, and that type of thing? So we are we are still at the beginning. There are a lot more ideas I want. So right now it is just the app. But what we want is so there is a, a resource page on the web page on the website where I keep adding things about binaural beats and the science and, and all of this. Later on, we want to have a community because I believe healing is a journey and we all go through the journeys small journeys long journeys there are people who are out there <laughs> where you want to be and there are people behind and sometimes knowing that there are people who've been there and can give you tips is really helpful and inspiring it's a little bit like when you go traveling right you read journals from people who have been there before and so i want to have this community but it's not in the air but it will come soon where people can share what has worked, what, you know, what they recommend to people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely nice to, especially when you're exploring something new and something as sensitive as, as anxiety or trauma. Um, that's the selfish self assurance that I'm not wasting my time doing this, that this, this, there are people out there that I can say, Hey, uh, where were you and where are you now? And, and what did this do for you? And then you can feel like you can devote, devote more time to it having confidence that it it actually does work yeah and it's like it's interesting i was talking about the therapist about this yesterday it's always hard right when you when you want to heal there are so many therapists out there it's which one do you pick right and um but at some point was it what i was told many years ago by a very spiritual person is pick one and stick with it right it's like the, the problem is that we pick something, we stop, we pick something else, we stop. And then so we never get to the difficult part that we need to deal with. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's new and shiny. And as soon as it isn't, you just move on to the next new shiny thing. That's kind of that's kind of what our um, our culture is anymore, is just that immediate gratification. And things of this nature, I don't think have immediate gratification. I think it takes some work. Um you you say there's a lot of uh, different things to explore. Um, that's basically what my my show is about is is living outside the system, living outside the norm. Um, my wife and I explore like barefoot living and grounding, um, things of that nature, uh, as a way to heal. And we found that um, a lot of our physical issues have have uh, uh, taken care of themselves as we um grounded more or barefoot more um whether that's a, a physical uh, alignment thing with posture or if it's the connectivity with the earth and the the electrical exchange and and that um we don't know and it doesn't matter really to us at this point but we're seeing results so it gives me um it gives me curiosity to go explore it more and really understand why 
um, if I had done this and I was just like, oh, I feel like I did when I wore shoes every day, uh, it would be like, eh, whatever. Uh, now I'm now I'm intrigued because I've seen results. Yeah, and sometimes we don't need, you know, I'm a scientist by training, so I've changed my my views on this, but we don't always need to understand everything, you know. I think we we wait a lot to understand why and then try it, but the other day I was reading, there is this VR scientist in LA who's um, pretty famous, and he doesn't fully understand how everything he's trying works, but he's like, but people here, and it's not a placebo effect. So let's just do it, because if you can save lives, you know, carry on saving lives. I mean, right, right. So this will be airing uh, towards the end of February. I believe last week we'll have published um, an interview I've already recorded with someone that's into plant plant intelligence and plant music um and that is kind of down the same roads is they're exploring something that they don't necessarily understand but they see the benefit in it um and i see that a lot with what you're doing is we might not completely understand why this we do we have a grasp on it but um exploring things you don't understand is is as human like i think we've we've really closed ourselves off from doing that so I like to expose people to other stuff and that's why I have people like you on the show and, and, uh, and yeah, I, I I'm intrigued now. I, I definitely, I, I really opened my eyes through the interviews on this show, especially through Podmatch because it's such a great, um, a variety of people. And, um, yeah, this is great. This is great. So, um, so just, just to mention, there is some science on the eye movement. There is some oh, yeah, yeah. But there are other things I'm curious about. You know, yesterday I was talking about chakras, right? And I, I studied chakras a lot of years ago because I think there is some logic into it, but it's just very badly explained. Some people just put a very simple article and it's oversimplified, but there is a rational behind it. And, you know, the number sevens come very often, the Carter's circle, you know. So it's something I've been thinking about as well. <laughs> but in the um, end, yeah, well, with that, I mean, I saw on your I saw on your profile, um, you're a scientist and you're spiritual. Um, I'm very mathematical. I grew up very science oriented. Um, prove it to me, or it doesn't. It doesn't. And I've I've really kind of made that transition. How do you? I I don't really need to uh, to to make that confrontation because I'm not a professional scientist. Um, you kind of are. <laughs> How did how did those how did those mesh and how did those line up and was that a sudden change or have you always been kind of both um, or did it come out of this whole journey into a, a, a trauma treatment? Um, so I think it it's a little bit related to the trauma, but it's a little bit different. Um, I think I was very spiritual when I was a kid and very sensitive, but I was told, you know, you can't be sensitive. It's and so I shunned a lot of it. And I was like, you, you know, I, my motto used to be, if I can't touch it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty bad. And I was raised Catholic. I spent seven years in a Catholic boarding school. Unfortunately, the nuns were nice. And I look at them and said, it's great. You believe, you know, and with all my due respect, it makes you happy, but I'll go to mass, but that's it. You know, don't force me to believe anything. I'll be polite, but, and so I left France when I was 20. I went to Asia and I was like, you know, I definitely don't believe in God and <laughs> any of this. And then I discovered Buddhism and I liked it because Buddhism is a philosophy. It's not really a religion. Like you don't have to worship. I don't like this idea of worship. And um, 
And I remember meeting some very spiritual people who talk about reincarnation and, and ghosts and all of this. And I was like, you know, I listened to it. I was like, yeah, right. And when the burnout happened, a couple of events happened that, so the burnout happened. I didn't launch the business. I spent three months in Boston journaling a lot and dealing with all the flashback and all of this. And one evening, um, long story cut short, I started losing a lot of weight and not sleeping well and any of this. I fell down the stairs. It was a very big house and I literally slid all the way down because I was wearing socks. I was going down to grab my phone. And I remember landing in the living room and my first thought was, you should be dead right now because you should have broken your back. And, and I was completely okay. And I was really shocked. And I was so shocked I went back to bed. And the day after I went for a run, I had zero pain whatsoever. And then as I was running, I realized, you know, something saved me. And at the time I called them angels because I didn't have any words. I don't believe in white little furry angels, but right. it was like something lifted you up because you should not have recovered from that form. Mm -hmm. So I planted a seed. And then I went through Africa and I, for me, Africa was an extremely spiritual experience. It's um, I traveled alone, a backpack. I went from places to places. I met shamans. I saw things with my, so here I was, what I cannot see doesn't exist. And then I saw shamans. I saw things disappearing. And I was like, you know, you're sober. You didn't drink anything. And so I was like, oh my God. And then, so this is a more personal story, but my mother's name was Marie Madeleine, which is a very quite rare name right now. I had never met anybody with her name. One day in Africa, I was looking for some earrings with some very specific stone because they were beautiful. And there's a whole story. A woman calls me and she offers me those earrings. And I still get goosebumps when I think about it. She knew exactly what I was looking for. And she seemed to know me. And at the end, I asked her her name, and her name was Marie Madeleine. And and since then, you know, then I didn't I didn't really think about it. It's years later when I started writing all of this, I started connecting the dots and calculating the years. And you know, for people who believe in reincarnation, she might have been a reincarnation of my mother. The coincidences don't. It's not a coincidence. I've traveled everywhere around the world. I've never met someone with her name. I mean, right. it's like so so many things happen like this in Africa. And then when I was in Dubai, I was meditating a lot and telepathies came. I could see what was happening. And, and so then that completely changed my mindset because I was like, well, I saw it happen and it did happen. So I, and I, it's not, once again, it's not because we can't explain it that it doesn't exist. It's just, you know, so that helped me reconcile the, the scientists and, and, and the spiritual. They are just things exactly like the image of the dogs that can hear sound that we can't hear, you know. There are a lot of things that because we are so rational and we live in our tunnel vision, we don't let ourselves see them. So we think they are crap, but they are not crap. We just have blinds on. Right, right. Um... I talk a lot about um, the having to having to break free of that um, accepted stuff. Um, it really started with with the medical system when we we kind of jumped out of that because of a few things that happened with my wife. But 
it's just kind of everything. You look at history, um, the history we're taught isn't necessarily the beginning of the history. Um, and things are starting to prove that and things are starting to come uh, come to light and, and they're discovering things going, oh, wait, this doesn't really go with our narrative. And the pushback is immense, um, even in the face of physical proof um, with with the case of history and finding artifacts and this and that changing the narrative is so hard i can only imagine how hard it is with something that you can't hold up and say this is different um yeah it's it's a struggle and when you talk about it you sound crazy um and then a few more crazy people join you and then you don't sound as crazy um and then a bunch of people are helped and a bunch of people believe and either it, it fades away or it, it gets it gets traction but I see a lot of that because that's the world I live in is uh, alternatives. And um, I'm hoping that your stuff gets accepted more uh, and, and pushed out there because it sounds very, very logically that everything would work. Correct. And, and people see the benefits. And I, you know, I have a friend from the London Business School, so very righteous, MD, psychiatrist. And he's trained in the MDR, so he knows what I've been developing. And so he's been giving thoughts and everything. And and the other day he sends me an email and he's like, yeah, I used it. He lost his partner um, a year ago. So he was like, you know, really, really stressed up and, and grieving. And, and he was like, my stress level was at 10 and it came down to seven, which is not one, but still it went down. And he was like, wow, I was really surprised. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of stress to try to get rid of and uh, like that. And like, yes, it works. Do you think I would have worked a year on this for nothing? <laughs> and so it's interesting. People look at it and they're like, yeah, the science is there, but it's when they use it that they're like, oh my God, this really works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so you you mentioned when we were talking at the beginning that you, you've started up lots of products. You've, you've kind of brought them to market, I assume. Um, I have a lot of entrepreneurs in in my audience, and I just kind of want to make sure I hit this before, and then we can kind of circle back to to what we were talking about. But any any just um, if you could give like two or three tips to anybody that's that's that entrepreneurial mindset that has a product they they kind of want to move forward, but they just don't know what to do. Um, do you have a little advice for them uh, if if they're not like with a big company or anything? You know, uh, just the average guy. Sure. So I would say focus on the need, focus on the, the, the problem you're solving rather than the solution. So just to step back, when I was working at GE, there was always this big debate. So there is what we call a market pool. People need something versus a product push. So salesperson would come and say, hey, this customer needs something to fix this. This is great. There is a problem. We can solve it. And then you have the engineers who are like, I've developed this great product. It's the best thing ever. I'm like, do people need it? I don't know, but it's the best thing ever. So you've got to go sell it. Look how cool it is. <laughs> exactly. So this is a product push. Product push are problems. <laughs> because usually they are perfect, over, completely complicated, you know, like, ah. So you need to find the problem and focus on the problem because the, the solution would change anyway. Most of the companies have products that keep evolving. Look at the first iPod. It was ugly with the wheel right. um, and then it got phased out anyway. So 
focus on the problem, go talk to people and make sure you have a problem. If you don't have a problem you're solving, it's risky. So this is really, really, really important and being clear on the problem. Is it the solution is too expensive or people don't like what they have right now or um, you know, in mental health is a lot of people don't have access to therapists or it's too expensive or it's not efficient. Or So this is one, this is very important. The second one is don't be a perfectionist. I am a perfectionist, but um, I've tried to turn it down. Develop something simple and get it out. Get a lot of feedback and get someone to fork out at least to one daughter. You know, people will tell you, especially your friends, that your idea is great <laughs> because nobody wants to tell you that you're losing your time, right? So, don't ask your friends first of all, and your parents and family because they won't tell you the truth. Go talk to people in the field and ask them. You know, would you pay for this? How much would you pay? And then they will still tell you. You know, yeah, sure, I'd pay for it, but. When they fork out the money, if it's even if it's just a dollar, you have a market, you have something. Then you can improve upon it. So um, develop something simple to get feedback and iterate on it. And it's hard, you know, it's like when you think it's crappy and good, it's time to release it. You know, if it's perfect, it's too late. Right. Right, right. And the asking the family and friends and stuff like that, it always reminds me of like the American Idol when that all started and and the people would come on and be like, well, my mom says I'm the best singer in the world. And then they start singing and you're like, <laughs> of course, you're my right. you you you. <laughs> my, be- my baby's the most beautiful baby in the world. Yep, it is to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that yeah, that's some great advice. The 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 problem solving, for sure. Um, if it doesn't solve a problem, why do I need it? And then you're then you're just looking for people's disposable income that they just want to throw away because it doesn't have a purpose. Yeah, that's uh, and, and, and you have a scare, right? So you have people who are in pain, want something. You have people who are like they want to do something better, and then the, you have the nice to have, right? So. Some products are still nice to have, right? Some of the social media and all of this and some other cool stuff. But those are more difficult to sell, especially if the economy is, you know, tanking. Then people are like, they would rather spend their money on something that they actually need, you know. So it doesn't mean that the cool stuff don't work, but they are more difficult to sell. Right, right. They're a luxury item, I guess. So as the discretionary money goes down, those those uh, products kind of cease. Um, yeah, definitely makes sense. Definitely makes sense. So you said that in development, you have a community coming within the app. What else is on the horizon? You said you had a, a million ideas of, of roads you wanted to go down. What's on the horizon for you? What uh, what are we what can if we start following along, what, what can be in store and not necessarily has to be, but what kind of directions do you kind of want to take it? So the, the vision is for the app to be adapted to people and tailored to people. This is really, really the vision. I think a lot of apps right now are, you need to fix, fix the, you know, fit the process, right? So you have the first session, the second session, and you need to be, to, to be in the groove of what the app has designed for you. We want, like I said, to be adapted to people. And so this is a few things are going to happen. So the app is available only for iOS right now. So Android is going to come in in a couple of months. And then 
we are going to translate it in other languages because a lot of apps are available only in English, but um, healing personal things is a very, it's very personal and very often you go back to your native language. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there are a lot of immigrants like me in the US and we think, you know, we, it, it's okay to speak in English, but when you want to talk about childhood stuff, your native language is a lot easier. So we want, and because the app uses very little language, it's all um, auditory and visual and sound, it's easy to translate. So Spanish and then other languages. And then what I would love to have, so two more things is, um, I'd like to include movement in the app because some people react with movement, bilateral movements. I'm still thinking about this. And right now in the app, we ask people to halfway through it to measure their stress level so that we can tailor the app, you know, maybe extend the session, maybe decrease the session, you know, avoid people being flooded by too strong emotions. And I'd like to have some ways to automate this stress detection, either with some kind of facial recognition or I'm still, you know, brainstorming some ideas so that the app can say, hey, I've noticed your stress level is going up, you know. Mm -hmm. So in that case, we will recommend this. Or it looks like your stress level is not moving at all. And maybe you're just not thinking about what you might want to think about. It's almost like adding a therapist without actually, ha it's like getting closer to that. But obviously, like we said earlier, if it's if it's a, a immense trauma or, or long standing, it could be, you, you need a professional help, but this would get you closer. Um, uh are are you i'm just curious what uh what options you're exploring for the 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 tailoring are you are you going into any are you go using like database ai database or machine learning type um functions in the app yeah so we are still i'm still thinking about it this is going to be later during the year but um what what I'm thinking of measuring is something called HRV, heart rate variability, which measures the difference between the sympathetic and parasympathetic systems. And it's actually very well correlated with the stress level. Um, there are ways to do it right now with devices. So you can use your watch or you can have a little thing you plug on your ear and it will detect it. But I don't like devices. I don't want people to have to buy more stuff they need to carry with their phone. Right. Um, you could use it with some kind of facial recognitions. There are already companies doing this, so we could partner with them. Um, and they are maybe possibly looking at the eyes and, and colors and you know um, blood vessels. So there are there are ways, and then you you use large amount of data with a lot of people, and then you start you know developing algorithms based on those. Yeah, yeah, that that's really intriguing me. Um... I was kind of intrigued in machine learning before the whole explosion in the last couple months. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like, it's, it, there's so much information out there so fast right now with the launch of all these uh, free services and whatnot that uh, it's, it's just been a rabbit hole that I went down for three or four days straight. And uh, yeah, it's, did, it's did, very interesting. Did you go, I know this is a completely different topic, but did you go through the, the rabbit hole of the chat GPT thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, I wrote, I wrote an ebook in uh, under and had it published on Amazon in under 30 minutes uh, for a week long uh, ketogenic meal plan uh, by day and with a shopping list and the reasons you should eat it. And uh, I did it while I was doing my laundry and had it published. And I was like, okay, I didn't really like super 
proofread this, make sure it was all accurate, but I just wanted to see what the timing was. And it took Amazon longer to publish it than it did for me to write it, format it, and upload it. It was it, it was absolutely <laughs> amazing. The the possibilities, and that was just a, it was an experiment. And um, from that, I'm currently right now. So I don't know. It, my wife and I uh, sold our homestead. We moved into a travel trailer, and we're kind of traveling around the United States. Uh, right now, we're in Texas with a friend of mine, and I'm helping him do deer butchering. Uh, he he runs a, a business where he butchers deer during hunting season. So I, he needed some help, and so I wanted to experience something new. But we're both this uh, brainstorming um, type of person. So we stand in this little room together, working on these monotonous tasks, and just bounce ideas back and forth it's like a big rubber ball going back and forth in the room and uh yeah i happened to be working with him when this really exploded with chat gpt and it was like dude uh do this do this do this and all day it was like your brain was literally tired by the end of the day because of all the ideas that were just flowing i was like we need to have a tape recorder in here because i need to go back and listen to all this stuff later because i can't even process it all at the moment but it's exciting and it reminds me of when i really got a, a grasp on cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and that type of thing um just the possibilities that are there now yeah i think chat gpt is really is really cool i just played with it a little bit and it's um it's funny but it's you know i i, I challenged it i said give me scientific papers on that topic and he was like uh sorry this i can't do yeah <laughs> Yeah, you there's um, scientific database. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely limitations. I'm excited about the next version coming out. That's more, um, it's more to date. It's not like a, a a static database to 2021. It's it's more to current time. Um, that brings into play a lot more of the marketing, advertising uses to it, where you can literally just tell it to write you a affiliate ad for XYZ product. And it's in real time. It's seeing all the data on Twitter and on uh, the product and what people are liking about it. And to be able to spit that out instantly, I'm like, game on, man. Like, I hope I hope a lot of people don't don't latch onto this because I would like to be on the forefront of it. <laughs> I like the image generating one, you know, it's like, otherwise you spend so much time designing stuff, but it's like, I want this with this background and it looked like this. I think this is really cool. And it's, uh, I've been, I've been thinking about this. It's like when we dream, we build words, right? So how could we use this to build words without escaping into another word, but to, I don't know, I've, 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 I don't have the answer, but I, I, I want to think more about this and how to use it actually. <laughs> it, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a long topic to explore, and there's so many different angles. And once you start pulling at one thread, it just opens up this whole possibility. Um, but then you come back to to the main idea, and then there's this other thread, and it it seems like just endless endless possibilities. And when you see that, and that light bulb goes off, it's just a moment that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get excited about that kind of stuff. So I thinking about what what you have going on and with your app and um, the the possibilities of helping the the people that are just struggling with a little anxiety that don't want to go to the doctor and get doped up on whatever um, antidepressant or psych med or whatever they just want to throw you on because I have a little nervous energy. I get nervous in certain situations. 
having an app to keep people off of meds is um, phenomenal to me. And I applaud you for that because I'm about the biggest anti-med person that you'd ever uh, meet. Uh, so continue. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm trained as a chemist and, you know, I've been through difficult things and medication was never an option. It's like, I don't know why, but it's like, I don't take drugs. I decided I won't fall sick, you know, except if it's, I'm on the floor. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that was, like, I mean, you know, that but, was... Um, but I, I agree with you. I think it's completely, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. Some people need it, but if the body hurts, it's because it's telling us you need to fix something, you know, and you need to look into it. And the drug would just mask the pain. And right. Sometimes it's needed for a little while if you have to deal with something, but it's not a long-term solution, unfortunately. That was the catalyst for us. Um, really, the medical system was, uh, my wife was on a prescription uh, for acid reflux, Prilosec, over-the-counter. Uh, doctor said, here you go. Uh, you're probably going to take it for the rest of your life, and we'll probably end up increasing doses over time, this and that. And she happened to pull out the warning label and she was reading it. It's like, this should not be used for more than six weeks at a time or six months at a time, uh, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, wait, my medical professional just told me that I'm going to be on this for the rest of my life. We'll be increasing doses over time because it'll stop working. And the warning label says, don't take it for more than six weeks at a time. And at that point, we were like, okay, there's got to be something different. Like, this is not, this isn't, this isn't how it's supposed to be. <laughs> So yeah, and we, we, uh, we, you know, we we are born. Most of us are born healthy, right? It's like the the body can heal a lot during the night and repair. And of course, we age. I mean, and and this wear and tear. But sometimes I joke. I think people, especially in the U.S., take much better care of their car than their body. <laughs> you oh, don't put sure. your gas in your car, never. You know. But well, you know, a Big Mac and half a gallon of Coke, you know, why not? <laughs> well, and if you start looking at your if you start looking at yourself as a machine um, and and yeah, like you said, you're not going to put diesel into your or even dirty gas. Like you're not going to see a, a bucket of gas with a bunch of dirt and oil and stuff in it and go, oh, this is exactly what I should put in my car to make it run, because I know that gas makes it run efficiently. And whatever diet you whatever diet you prescribe to, whether it's uh, meat, vegan, vegetarian, whatever, as long as it's not made and processed, I don't care. You're doing better than than people shoving uh, processed food in, in your body. It just it's not meant to to deal with that. Exactly. And, you know, I am vegan, but I don't prescribe it. If people like me, it, it's fine. But it's about, you know moderation and eating clean food yeah definitely i mean yeah. the body is not made to eat processed food. <laughs> if you can't pronounce it why are you eating it yeah <laughs> and i'm horrible at pronunciation we talked about that before <laughs> they have to be really just eat, plant meat <laughs> stuff like that for me um yeah so we're pushing up on an hour here um is there anything that, that you'd like to cover? Is there anything that we didn't hit about your app or anything you wanted to kind of throw out to my listeners? Um, and then we can kind of wrap up after that. But uh, the stage is yours. Kind of let, let's see what uh, if there's anything that you want to discuss. Um, so a few things. So to people, you know, 
try the app, see if it works. We are still welcoming, you know, we welcome a lot of feedback. So please tell us what is working, what you love, what is missing. We love feedback. Um, and um, price should never be, right now we put it at 14.95, you know, 99 a month so that it's really affordable to people. If it's price is an issue, let us know and we can send you for codes. Price will never be an issue. Um, and then the the uh, couple of other things is, is um, yeah, if people have questions, they can always email me. My name is at you know Marie at akesahoff.com. Um, life life is a journey. I I believe we see you know it's a roller coaster. They are ups and downs. They are always ups and downs. If we were always on the top of the mountain, you know, the top of the mountain would be boring. And so we can't always be. I think we live in a society where we're supposed to be happy all the time and performing all the time. And they are down times and it's okay. You know, this is where we learn. And so I wanted to tell people it's okay sometime if we don't have everything in order and everything fixed and it, it things would get resolved. And, and I believe because I've been there that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes it's hard to see, but I, I strongly believe that with the right tools and the right support with people who love you, you know, and believe in you, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm sure of this. <laughs> oh, there is. There is. Um, there, there's been too many success stories for it to not be true. Um, people have come through and people that have really thought that they were, there was nothing, like there was no reason. Um, and they're, they're, they usually end up very, very successful and very, 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 very happy um, once they, they put the work in to realize that there is, there is something there. Um, and the, the other thing I would say that comes to mind now is I, I believe that the answer to what makes us happy is within. It's not out there. And we have a huge tendency to, you know, go on Google. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Google. Um, and ask people what has worked for them, but we are all different. What has worked for someone else will most probably not work for you because you are a different human being. And I, I strongly believe in listening to our intuition, listening to our body, listening to our heart. The mind sometimes can trink us a little bit. So, but listening to what I call our inner wisdom. And 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 so if you want to do, you know, get into another profession or pick up a hobby or whatever, whatever people tell you, you should not do this. If you, if it makes you happy, if you feel that this is, you want to allocate time for this, go for it. Because I strongly believe that this inner wisdom does know the path. And as Campbell used to say, um, when you follow your bliss, when you follow your path and, and what makes you happy, doors open where there were only walls before. And I strongly believe that if you follow what makes you happy, happy, not just pleasure of eating a Big Mac, but deeply happy, luck will be on your side. That's 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 very. I mean, that I've I've heard that, um, and it's it's funny. I always thought that, and I've proved it. Um, my wife and I, we went on this journey to decide we were going to take off and live the nomad life. And I mean, we had a 35 acre homestead and and all the food stability that you would want, freezers full of meat. And we we sold it all and moved into a travel trailer with our three St. Bernards. I've never been as happy as I am now, like inside. Um, and opportunities are presenting themselves. Um, 
we had this destination to come to. It was it was offered to us to come down here and, and kind of spend some time and and help Josh. And then other opportunities just keep kind of, hey, well, here's the next spot on the journey. And the the course is kind of plotting itself. And I think it's because I, I let go of a lot and didn't try to plan it all. Um, I'm letting it happen. And and like you said, I'm doing what's making me happy. So I'm, I, I don't know if I'm projecting that or manifesting it or it just is what it is. But yes, I'm letting opportunities present themselves. And, and yes, doors are there where walls were for sure. So yeah, and I, it, it is scary because you put yourself, it's like going on a journey, right? You put yourself on the road and you're like, what's going to happen next? You know, where would I be later? And, but the rational mind wants us to believe that we can plan everything. And I think the pandemic has showed us that we can't plan and we can't foresee. I mean, a pandemic, for God's sake, landed right. on us and we were stranded at home. It's like, there is very little we can plan. I mean, and, and I've seen the other way around as well is get into a high paying job because it's safe and it pays you well and it's good for your retirement. And I have seen jobs literally like a carpet put under my feet at some point it's like sorry the job is gone that's it and like, right and it yeah. happened a few times and i'm like okay <laughs> so. <laughs> oh well perfect i'm gonna have all your information in the video notes in the audio notes um people i really encourage them to go check out your stuff check out your app um i think uh the the first session in your app is a great way to lead into finding maybe what makes you happy. Correct. <laughs> very good, very I, good point. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a doctor by any means, but I put those two together. So uh, definitely. Thank you. I'll give you royalty on that idea. <laughs> Dev, I encourage everybody to check out Marie's stuff. Um, you can find the links in in the in the video description and email her with any questions or if you have issues with the app or suggestions, feedback or anything. Um, I know as trying to build something, feedback is invaluable. So if you could check out Marie's stuff, tell her what you think. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and and discussing your app and the the, the tips for the entrepreneur. Spot on, spot on. I really appreciate it. So... Uh, any last words and uh, we'll wrap up here. Um, <laughs> another one that comes to mind. I have a lot of ideas, as you can oh, see. No. Um, so you, you'd see in the app, there is a sleep session and people ask, oh, why do you have a sleep session? And I'm like, sleep is extremely important, not only for physical health. We know this, but it's very important for mental health as well. So people, if you feel tired, if you need a nap, take a nap. It's really helpful. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. All right. I, I think we're going to wrap up here and I think I'm going to go take a nap because I'm kind of tired. So um, <laughs> Marie, I really appreciate you coming on. And if you'll hang out for a minute, I'm going to wrap up and we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you later. I really appreciate Marie joining us. And uh, with that, that's another episode of the Lots Project, Lots to Talk About series. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out the show um, on YouTube or any podcast feed. I uh, will talk to you later. <laughs>